Hi everyone, welcome to the Debate 101 series of This House Wood, a podcast on all things debate related. I am Hannah, and together with Sherry, we will be your hosts for this series. Viewers might remember me from my guest speaking episodes about self-learning debate in last year's Debate 101 series, as well as hosting a show round. For me, I have several years of coaching and debating experience, and I'm a student at McGill University, where I'm very, very oddly passionate about goat farming um, and their geographic and economic implications. I'm only half kidding, but I do study health geography and international development, so you might hear some of my inputs in future episodes of Heather, Eric, and Noah series. And hi everyone, I'm Sherry and I'm a grade 12 student at St. Robert Catholic High School. I love arguing about fictional characters in sitcoms and I also have a weird semi-interest in things like the anti-work movement and urban planning. And I've been debating competitively for about three and a half years and I've broken finals at tournaments like Hart House High Schools as well as semi-finals at US tournaments like UPenn World Schools. So based on interest and feedback from our viewers, Last uh, from last year, we are rebooting the Debate 101 series that Noah hosted. We're very excited to be your hosts. In today's episode, we'll be giving a broad overview of parliamentary debating as an activity and explaining what to look forward to in our series going forward. So first, I want to start with talking about parliamentary debating and how it functions as an activity, as a game, as a format. It's something that's not, you know, for example, what we think of with arguing with our sibling or parents, etc. It's a structured activity or game, and it has parliamentary roots. So it's based off of parliamentary format. So is it kind of like what people see on TV, you know, like Justin Trudeau debating with other political candidates? Sure, it's a bit like that in the sense of there are different sides and they're arguing for different ideas, but it's more so based off of like 1800s old dudes arguing in English parliament. So it's there's going to be distinct speaker roles and distinct positions in parliamentary debating our activity versus what you see on TV. So in terms of the two sides, though, there are going to be two sides in a debate, government side or proposition and opposition side. So as the name suggests, team government, you can think of them as the government. They are proposing something new. So they're trying to make some sort of change to the world or on principle, they're supporting or opposing something, etc. So on opposition side, you are trying to argue against whatever side government is saying. So they're making some kind of new policy or they're proposing a new idea. You say why it's not a good policy or even why it would be an actively bad thing and cause some sort of harm to society, for example. Wait, that makes sense. But does that mean that for every debate, there's only two opinions that you can support? So like pro or con? Absolutely not. There are two sides to a debate, but there are many, many different opinions and many, many different perspectives you can take when you're debating. That's why I wanted to start this episode with talking about thinking of debate as a parliamentary activity, as opposed to just thinking of it as there is a topic and there are two sides. Let's go. So this format allows us flexibility and not being dichotomous or binary with our opinions. So having many different possible solutions to one issue, having many different perspectives on an issue, even on one side, for example. These are all things that makes your debating more nuanced and also just makes our worldview in general 
just, you know, more nuanced, better world citizens, yay. Okay, so let's talk about certain examples of topics we would talk about in debate. Two examples of debate motions I've recently encountered. The first one is, this house believes that the ubiquity of dating apps has done more harm than good. And the other one is, this house believes that history curricula should be structured around the lives of ordinary individuals as opposed to leaders or icons or politicians, etc. So note that in these topics, not only is it talking about a specific issue, like, for example, at dating and just cultural norms around dating, or the topic about history is like how we want to view and study history going forward. Uh, there are those topics, and then there are specific parts and elements to the motion that makes it more nuanced, so it's not just like three words. Sherry, do you want to give an example of a recent case, perhaps, that you ran in debate? Yeah, for sure. So there was this pretty interesting motion I saw at Heart House, which was, this house regrets the narrative that we should derive meaning from work. So, very heavy motion. There's a gov and an op case that we can consider in this. And on government, you'd most likely be talking about why society is better off if you don't have this idea that work should be meaningful. So maybe on government, you'd mention why it's better to have a world where work is only a way to keep you alive. You make money to get food, to be able to buy a house, and the work itself doesn't necessarily have to be where you get your meaning and your sense of happiness. So an argument that you could run on government is that Deriving meaning from work is unattainable for many people. You might say that many people, and particularly poor people, might not have the greatest amount of freedom to choose their job. They might often have to work jobs where they don't really love it, or they might be forced into very significant financial circumstances, so that even if they really love what they're doing, they're constantly stressed out because of their financial burden. So this might lead to the impact of having many people who hate their jobs becoming very miserable, and people might think that if they hate their job, they're doing something wrong because society tells them they should love what they're doing. That's a fantastic go. What are some op arguments in this situation? Yeah, that's a great question. On opposition, your main burden or what you're trying to do is to explain why the narrative or the idea that we should derive meaning from work is actually very good for society. So an argument that you might run could be that people who believe there should be meaning in their work are more likely to choose jobs that make them happy. So if you really want to be a veterinarian, but maybe your parents tell you that's not a good enough job or society tells you that you should choose a job that makes more money, you still might take this narrative and think, I want to do something that makes me happy, that brings me a sense of fulfillment. So this might lead people to actually be happier in the long term when they choose a job that makes them happy. But also, you could say that perhaps this narrative actually makes painful work more enjoyable. So when people think that their work should be meaningful, they probably have a more positive attitude going into their work. So even if they don't like their work, they might notice small ways that their job is actually making society better. So you might find meaning in being an accountant, which seems like a very mundane and boring job. But if you realize that you're actually helping a small business make financial decisions that keeps it alive, you're actually fueling a lot of other people's jobs, that increases the chance that you actually feel that your job is meaningful and you feel generally more happy and fulfilled every single day that you go to work. 
Thank you, Sherry. That was fantastic. Um, you speak very, very, very clearly and logically. So for our listeners, Sherry is a fantastic debater, and she actually ran this case at the tournament at Hard House, which is very important, and also broke two finals. So yay, Sherry. Thank you. Anyways, that being said, that's a really good case. But if our listeners right now feel very intimidated by debate, don't be. We will walk you through each step. And also, Sherry and I have probably been practicing how to argue at people for a long time. For sure. That being said, yeah. So now we know basically how this activity functions, and we heard a fantastic example of a case. Let's talk more about specifically what I mean when I say there's a structure and there's a format. So a couple of things. First, in debate, as I said, there's always a topic, and I've given some examples of that. Those topics are called motions or resolutions, and they're in the format of this house would or this house believes something, because the house is going to be the actor, the stakeholder that is going to be like implementing a topic, or we are debating from their perspective. Next, there is prep time. So there are two types of debates. One of them is when you are. Getting prepared motion, and the other one is what we call impromptu. So, an example of a prepped motion, and I've had quite a few experiences with this, is when you get a motion a couple weeks before a tournament. You get the topic, and you're encouraged to do a lot of research on the topic and figure out what your arguments are way before the tournament, so you feel prepared on the day of. This is very common in the world schools format of debate for, especially for high school debaters. Yeah, it's really intimidating, and you would see like American people wearing suits, having like five hundred pages of prep. This is like not even me exaggerating. It's a bit terrifying. So that's something that you would see a lot in, particularly I think high school tournaments, as Sherry mentioned. The other format is called impromptu, and as the name suggests, it's impromptu. So you don't get. The topic beforehand, you get the topic, and you almost have to debate it immediately. In different debate formats, prep time for impromptu motions range from fifteen minutes to an hour. But most formats, so Australia,、uh, for example, is thirty minutes, and Canadian parliamentary, British parliamentary, etc. Most popular formats in a lot of high school de- debate tournaments. I would say the majority, and also the majority of BP tournaments. You would see, for example, in like the World University Debating Championship, etc., all have this format. So you usually get fifteen minute prep. Is what I'm trying to say. In terms of speaking time, and also what I actually mean by Canadian or British parliamentary, these formats have different speaking times and also different amount of teams and roles in the debate. They obviously vary, but if you learn one f- type of format. The differences between them are not so great. So for speaking time, usually speeches are seven minutes long. So in Canadian parliamentary, in even high school, it's seven minutes long. In all of university British parliamentary, which is the most common format, people get seven minutes of speaking time. So each person gets a maximum of seven minutes, and you can speak for as long or short as you want under that framework. In terms of speaker roles. There are specific positions that we have to fill. So, in Canadian parliamentary, there are two teams, and as I mentioned, they are government and opposition, and there are two speakers within each team. 
I'm going to talk more about specific speaker roles in a future episode, but there are, but to remember, there are four speakers and two teams, so two sides in Canadian parliamentary. And in contrast, in British parliamentary, there are four teams. So how do we have four teams if there are two sides? That's a confusing question. But what is unique about British parliamentary is that there are two teams which support each side. So there are two different government teams that both support the topic and also two different opposition teams that oppose the topic. So all of those teams are trying to bring up different perspectives. And even if you are, for example, the second government team, you are still trying to beat your first government team by presenting new ideas, presenting a new perspective, etc. Yeah, and one of my favorite parts of BP is being able to be creative as a back half team and have to come up with new arguments about why you support or oppose a side. But we'll get into that in future episodes. Yeah, it's really fun. Like at a recent tournament I did, we were just like, we were completely lost. We thought we only had one perspective to think about for the government side, but then like three minutes before my speech, I thought of a different idea and we actually ended up winning that round. So it's a lot of a creativity and a lot of different ways we want to analyze issues. Okay, so that was pretty quick. Now you basically know all parts of a parliamentary debate. So what are we looking forward to in our series in the future? We are going to review many different topics and debates. So the important parts of debate, uh, there are things like debate terms and strategy. Uh, for example, analysis, which is when you are trying to analyze and explain why an argument is true. Or refutation, when you are the other speaker who is trying to attack the argument made by the other side. Those are really important. What are other things where we're going to cover, Sherry? So some other terms include what's called clash, as well as looking at different types of motions, modeling around, and even how to approach prep time properly and make the most of it. Yeah, so those are a lot of different terms that we, we would encounter in a debate, and they sound very intimidating, but they're just basically, for example, refutations, a fancy way of saying, fight someone else, yay. In terms of other, maybe less fun stuff, but I think people might consider fun, like debate tournaments or how to work with a partner better, etc. Those are all different things we're interested in covering to help you improve in your debate learning journey, or if you're just interested to see what the heck we are doing when we, you know, spend so much money, like driving to New Havens, or like, I don't know, New York City to debate. That being said, thank you for listening to our episode and note that we are expanding on our existing material that Noah made with new topics, new guest speakers, more advanced view of topics we previously introduced, etc. So there are going to be a lot of new content coming your way and we hope you enjoy. Thank you for joining us for the Debate 101 series. Stay tuned for more on This Housewood. Please follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts as well as our Instagram at, at THW Debate Podcast.